33. Right. And what I'm going to do this morning is just read a portion of the scripture. I'm going to have it up on the screen so you can uh, follow along with me there. I'm going to just be reading verses 25 down through 28 and then verses 31 through 32. And then we'll kind of hit the rest of it in, in the rest of the sermon here. Just a reminder that, uh, man, if you haven't done your, your selfie yet, go out there after the service, um, or you can do it now, I don't care, uh, and uh, take your selfie uh, with yourself, post it on social media, hashtag Chester Christian Church, uh, hashtag marriage, hashtag whatever you want to hashtag, all right? But let's just blow up social media this morning, okay? Even if you're not married, go out there and take a selfie with your friend, all right? Uh, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I just want to say this, too, before we get started, today is going to be uh, focused mainly on marriage, uh, husband and wife, but I want you to know that if you're here this morning and you are a single parent, you're a single mom or single dad, or if you're divorced, um, I don't want you to tune me out, okay, because what we're going to be talking about today is, uh, can definitely apply to everybody's life, okay, it's not just to married couples, but it can apply to everybody's life, and I also just want to say this too, that I am a product, old, uh, and, and I, I feel like I turned out pretty good, um, so, you know, so what I'm saying is that I think the Bible teaches, man, that for you single moms and dads, and for those of you that have gone through divorce, man, there, there's just a lot of grace there for you, okay? There's a lot of grace, and uh, man, God is for you, and God wants you to succeed, and so I just want to encourage you this morning with that. If you're here this morning, and that's you, all right, but this morning, we're going to be talking specifically to husbands and wives, and so I'll say that before we get started. So let's pray, and then I'm going to read starting in verse 25, um, and then we'll, we'll get into it here. Father, thank you so much for our time of worship through music. We pray now that as we get into your word that you will just, uh, just continue to, just to fill this place, place with your spirit, God. That you would move throughout this place as we read uh, these scriptures, as we uh, just kind of flesh these ideas out, God, that you would just move in our hearts, that you would convict us, that we would lift Jesus up and that we would see our need for him. God, thank you so much for your grace and mercy in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, uh, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then verse 31, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Oh, jump back up there. Jump back up there. There you go. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, how many, of you, how many of you guys remember your first date with your spouse? How many of you guys remember that? Show of hands. Do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you wore? Men, do you remember what your, wife, what your spouse wore on your first date? Yeah? My first date with Robin, it was actually a group date. We actually went bowling with a, with a bunch of people. I had to show off my bowling skills to Robin. Uh, or the lack thereof bowling skills, right, Morris? I have no bowling skills. Uh, Morris is the bowler in the house. 
And, uh, and so they, then we went to IHOP together, and we spent like till 2 a.m. in the morning talking with you know, a group of people, and it was a lot of fun. So that, that was our first date. Uh, do you remember the nervousness of that first date? Do you remember thinking to yourself, how in the world am I going to keep conversation with this, this person across the table from me? You guys remember that? Did you guys feel that nervousness in there? Well, will we be able to keep conversation going? Are we going to click here? Is this thing going to work out? Is this, is this the man or the woman that, 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 I'm, that I'm going to potentially marry? Do you, guys, do you, remember, do you remember the pursuit of your wife? Do you remember that? Do you remember the, the pursuit of that and how exciting that was and how uh, giddy you would get? Do you remember that? How many of you guys remember your wedding day? Wedding day? Anybody? How many of you guys would like to forget your wedding day? I'm just kidding. Don't, don't answer that. All right. How many of you guys uh, remember, man, the first time you saw that bride walk down the aisle? I did a wedding here yesterday, and it was kind of cool to see, you know, as, as the bride walked down the aisle to see uh, the groom's face, you know, and just to see the excitement there and to see the bride's face and to see the excitement there. Robin and I, we, we actually had a very short and sweet ceremony. Uh, we, we always kind of kid. We got married uh, in this guy's house, a friend of mine, and uh, we were in his house. We were in his living room with his two daughters in their Christmas tree because we got married in December. And uh, we always joke, we pulled into his parking lot or his driveway at 301. We looked at the clock, 301, and as we were driving out, it was 318. Uh, that's a short ceremony, right? That was awesome. That was awesome. Do you remember, do you remember your, f- your first disagreement? Do you remember your first fight? Do you remember your first night, man, on the couch or in the doghouse? Right? I, I tell you, man, for, we, we joke about this. Uh, well, I've said this before, uh, but Robin and I, uh, we, uh, we had our first fight. Uh, right after we got back from our honeymoon, we were driving back from Charlotte International Airport on 81. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And we are about to have a throw down, get out of the car, fight there on the side of the road. Right? I mean, it was crazy. I think I've shared that with you guys before. And I remember laying in bed that night after we had gotten home. And I can remember thinking to myself, what have I done here? <laughs> this is crazy. What have, I, what have I done? And the reality is that marriage can be tough. I mean, it can be difficult. It can be a struggle. I mean, life after the honeymoon is radically different from the honeymoon that preceded it, Right? We are all confronted with the fact that in some way our marriage is not what it was meant to be. Why is that? Why is that? Because somewhere along the way, you realize that you are married to a sinner. And oh yeah, you're a sinner too. A big one, right? You probably get along great with yourself. You're probably thinking to yourself, man, I, I get along great with myself. I don't know what happened. When I got married now, no, no longer, you know, is this happening. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the reason that is is because you have two selfish people, two self-centered sinners, self-centered sinners, you like that? Uh, living in a broken, fallen world. I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller says, marriage is the Mack truck driving through our life, revealing our flaws, and humbling our reactions. See, the reality of marriage must remain long after the reality of the wedding is faded. At some point, you need something sturdier than than romance. You need something deeper than shared interests and mutual attraction. You need something that gives you peace of heart and strength of resolve when you aren't feeling romantic and your problems are getting you down. And, And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us in this passage. That there is something deeper going on between a husband and a wife in marriage. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, then we can miss the point. 
That there's something deeper than just attraction or romance. That there's something different than this fairy tale wedding and this fairy tale marriage that we have in our minds. And Paul tells us what that is in verse 31 and 32. In verse 31, he quotes from the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, where God ordained the first marriage. And this is what he says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the very next verse, Paul looks back on that quote, and he says this. He says, this is a profound mystery. It's a profound mystery. And he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. See, Paul is using marriage as a metaphor, an image of Christ and the church. Simply put, marriage is a reflection of the gospel. Listen, the real intent behind marriage is that we might know and grasp God's love for us, his pursuit of us, his romance of us, despite being a people who have rebelled and sinned against him. I want you to understand this morning that marriage is a shadow of God's pursuing love and affection for his bride, the church. And one of the ways that we reflect the gospel in our marriage and learn from this profound mystery that Paul talks about is through the roles of husbands and wives in marriage. God created marriage. He created man and woman. God knows what works best. He created specific roles for the husband and for the wife so that when they are working together properly, God is glorified. And listen, humanity will flourish. Humanity will flourish. See, what Paul is teaching here is he's teaching this this to the church in Ephesus. And what you have to understand is that the, the, the Ephesians, man, they had kind of brought a lot of baggage in from their pagan background. And the men in Ephesus were taught to despise women. They were taught to to, to not treat women as equals. They were taught to to, to treat women not as friends or peers. Right? I mean, they they, they were some bad people. And so I want you to look at what Paul does to motivate his readers towards this idea of a partnership in marriage. He, he He doesn't threaten to beat them into submission. Paul doesn't go in this passage and list, all right, man, these are ten things you've got to do in order to get this right. All right, Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't say, okay, guys, you've got to kind of double down and try harder. He doesn't do that. But rather what Paul does, and I love this, he vividly portrays the salvation of Jesus as sacrificial spousal love. Listen, Paul preaches the gospel to him. Paul preaches the gospel. Paul points them to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate spouse, so he points them to Jesus. He is faithful, he is loving, and he is caring. So Paul says that marriage is a partnership, and for any partnership to be successful and stay together, everybody in that partnership has to kind of know their role. Right? So we've got to know our role. So the very first thing that we see in this passage that we didn't read is the idea of mutual submission. So in verse 21 it starts out, and it says, submit to one another out of the reverence, out of reverence for Christ. The idea here is to have a spirit of submission, a humility. And in other words, you don't think that you are the top dog calling all the shots because you're the most important person in the world. And Jesus is our example because Jesus had a spirit of humility. Jesus had a spirit of submitting to others. Jesus put others first. Jesus taught that when you walk into a room, you're supposed to look to the needs of others. 
that you're supposed to think of others more highly than you think of yourself. Jesus taught us to be a servant. Jesus demonstrates this when he and his disciples were in the upper room. In John chapter 13, I believe it is, the night that he would go to the cross and die for all of humanity's sins. And Jesus, the leader of this group, these 12 disciples, Jesus, the leader of this group, takes the lowest role, a role that was reserved for a slave. And he kneels down and he washes the disciples' feet. See, Jesus had a spirit of humility. Jesus said, I'm not the most important person in the room. I'm not the only one that matters. Jesus is like, I want to lift others up. I want to encourage and serve others. And that's marriage. That's marriage. It's a partnership where both are mutually submitting and have a spirit of humility. It's not about me. It's about following Jesus' example, working together in marriage and serving each other. Mutual submission. Paul then moves on to the wives and their roles, but I'm going to do a little switcheroo on you this morning, okay, if you guys are cool with that. And I'm actually going to start out with the husbands, all right, because I believe that if the husbands get it right, then the wives are not going to have any problem getting their, their role right, okay, you see what I'm saying? And so we're going to talk about the men first, because if, if I'm telling you, men, all right, that if we can understand and step into our God-ordained role, our marriage is going to flourish. Our marriage is going to flourish. The greater part of this passage actually deals with the husbands. If you broke this passage down, Paul spends twice as much time on the husbands. You know why he does that? Because we're hard-headed, right? We need twice as much time. We need twice as much material. And so this is what he says. He says, husbands are the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And they are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now listen, this is a massive responsibility, man. And apart from the gospel working in your heart, apart from the Holy Spirit working in your life to change you from the inside out, men, I'm going to tell you, we don't want to sacrifice for our wives. That's just the way it is. We're sinners. And apart from the gospel working in our heart, apart from the Holy Spirit working in our life, we don't want to do that. But listen to me. We, we, we sang about it this morning, and it's just a beautiful thing. When we grasp the magnitude of the love of Christ towards you, this is why Paul points into Jesus. This is why Paul points into Jesus and his sacrificial love. Because when you grasp the magnitude of the love of Christ towards you, it's humbling. It's humbling. Romans 5, 8 tells me that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. 1 John four nineteen tells me that he loved me first. That he loved me even when I was unlovable, even when I was unfaithful, dirty, rotten, and no good. Jesus loved me. Ephesians 3.18 tells me that Christ's love surpasses knowledge. And it would absolutely blow my mind to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high his love is. And this is the love that I must model to my wife. A love towards her that cannot be measured, that knows no limits, that surpasses knowledge. This is the love that I strive for. It's a giving love. It's a sacrificial love, selfless love. Jesus doesn't love us. Listen, Jesus doesn't love us because we are beautiful, but we become beautiful through Jesus' sacrificial love. Amen? He gave up everything to serve us. It means that the husband should be willing to sacrifice, willing to lay down his own Life, willing not to sleep as much 
willing not to rest in his own comfort, willing to get up and help. Sacrificial love also means that I don't get to keep score. I don't get to keep score. Jesus doesn't keep score. If he did, we would fall short every single time. Listen, we are sinners, which means we are selfish and self-centered, which means we like to create these lists in our heads. Now, help me out here, guys, okay, because surely I'm not the only one that does this. Now, you may not say this to your spouse, and and I pray that you don't, because if you did, you'd be in trouble real fast, okay? But in our heads, we like to create these lists. And so this is how it works out. It says, well, I did the dishes, so you should bathe the kids, Right? Or you, you got to go with your friend last week, so tonight it's my turn. Well, since you bought that outfit, I went ahead and got tickets to the game. And what we do is we create these lists, and we think to ourselves, man, I did the dishes, I worked all day, I came home, and I, I cleaned the house, and I cut the grass, and I did all this. And, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, what have you done? You know, what have you done? And so we kind of create these lists in our heads. And because of sin, all of us tend to love in order to get something in return. Right? I'll love you as long as you do this for me. We, we like to do that. We like to love to get something in return. You can tell when it's not really love you're giving if you begin to withhold it because you don't think the response is good enough. But Jesus calls us to a more selfless way. He calls us to the way of the cross. Charlie talked about it this morning. Sacrificial love also means to take charge for the spiritual direction of your home. I'm going to tell you something. The man sets the spiritual climate of the home. Children tend to follow their dads. Where dad has created a climate that doesn't have at its center point video games or lounging around on the couch watching ESPN, but a conversations around the dinner table about the goodness of God, where dad is willing to step in and pray, where dad is willing to seek forgiveness, that responsibility, men, falls on our shoulders. We set the spiritual climate of our home. We lead family devotions. We lead prayer. We lead those things. Now let me just say this, because I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave here feeling like you can't do this. That I, this isn't easy. I, I mean, this isn't easy. There are days that I am not up for what God has called me to do. Listen, I come home tired and maybe a tad bit cranky, and sometimes, man, I find myself counting the minutes until the kids go to bed. Like, it's 6 o'clock, and I'm thinking, is it time for the kids to go to bed yet? They are wearing me down. You know what I'm saying? Like that, That's just what's going on. Like I just want to sit down and watch Seinfeld. Can I just watch a 30-minute show? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 but let me encourage you, okay? And this is encouraging, trust me. The gospel shoots me straight. The Bible shoots me straight. The gospel tells me that I am a sinner. And that's actually good news. It's good news because I know that I can never be perfect, that I can't measure up. And it frees me up to admit my failures and my shortcomings. And that's probably the hardest part for us. But that's what the gospel does. The gospel frees me up to be able to admit, hey, man, I fall short in this area. Yes, I messed up. I, I failed in this area. I have weaknesses here. And let me tell you something, man. When you can go to your wife, I mean, I'm telling you, this happens on a regular basis in the hoe back home, okay? I'm just going to tell you, when I can go to my wife and I say, Robin, baby, I am so sorry for, for snapping at you earlier. I'm sorry for getting an attitude with you, or I'm sorry for this, or I'm sorry for that. When I can walk up to her and do that and ask, 
ask her to forgive me. You know what I'm doing there? I'm modeling the gospel in my home. When I can walk up to my son Jude, and this happens frequently as well, this happened just, just last week, when I can walk up to my son Jude and I can say, buddy, I am so sorry, man. Daddy, daddy jumped on you or daddy accused you of something you didn't do or whatever the case may be. And I can walk up to him and say, dude, I'm sorry for that, man. Your, your dad, he's a sinner. He's got a dirty heart just like you do. And he needs Jesus just like you do. Can you forgive me for that? You know what I'm doing there? I'm modeling the gospel for him. I'm admitting my failures. I'm, admitting, I'm owning them. And that's what we need to do. We need to model that to our family. Now, I also want to encourage you with this, man. We, we, I would encourage you guys, man, if you're not in a small group somewhere, to get in a small group, man, to get in a relationship with people, to, be, to, to not just go to the small group and just go, but actually, actually make some friends there and get into some uh, you know, other guys, other godly men who can kind of pour into each other there, iron sharpens iron type of thing. We got Bible studies that you can participate into. We got, you know, get into an accountability, discipleship type of relationship. I've got a guy that, a childhood friend, we've grown up, we've known each other, and he knows every single thing about me. I mean, everything, nothing is hidden from him. And, and we ask each other the tough questions, man. How are you doing with your family? Are you loving your wife like this? Are you loving your kids like this? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And we hold each other accountable, and it's hard. I'm going to tell you something. It's hard sometimes to admit. That's what the gospel does. It frees me up to just be able to do that. That's the good news. So I want to encourage you to do that. I mean, we got, I got godly men here. I love our leadership here. And we got godly men here that I look up to. And as a matter of fact, we share uh, the U version, the Bible plan on your phone. We all kind of friends on that. And so it encourages me to see them every single day, man. They're in the Word. And that encourages me. I'm like, man, I can, I can be in the Word. I loved when we, we, we take trips together. A couple weeks ago, we got to go to Savannah Christian Church down in, down in Savannah, Georgia. And I love spending time with them, man, because I just glean from them, man. They're, they're godly men. And I want to learn. I want to I grow in my walk with Jesus. I want to grow deeper and deeper in the gospel. So I get to, to see them in action. I get to see them get up at 5 o'clock in the morning while I'm still in bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and be in the word and pray. I, I get to see that. And so, so I would encourage you guys, listen, it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes, but I would encourage you to, to get plugged in, get, get somewhere, get in a relationship like that, and then always look to Jesus as our example. Now let's just jump back to, to, to wives here. Let's jump back to, to verse 22. And this is what it says in verse 22. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So Paul moves from mutual submission, something that both spouses do, to, to wives submitting to their husbands. Now again, man, if, if we learn to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we make this role so much easier for our wives. Because ladies, wouldn't it be a joy to respect and submit to your husband if you feel as though he loved you with this immeasurable type of love? That he leads your family with the best interests at heart rather than with selfish ambitions? Like the, that he relies on the power of the Holy Spirit to make him more like Jesus? Like wouldn't it be easier to do that? Right? So God has given the role of headship or leadership to husbands. So when it comes to roles, this institution of marriage that's ordained by God works like this. Christ is head of the church. He's the head. And then the man comes, the husband, and then the wife, and then the children. Now, 
We encounter this type of submission every single day in our lives. Most of us work and we have bosses that we have to submit to. We have this, this government making laws that we must abide by. And I love what Paul David Tripp says. He says that teaching this concept to our children is one of the most important lessons they can learn. Because even if they become a CEO of their own company where they are the top dog, they still are under the authority of guess who? God. God. Now, ladies, apart from the gospel working in your heart, apart from the Holy Spirit just working in your life, changing you from the inside out, your natural sinful tendency is to not want to submit to your husbands. But again, this is just another way that we reflect the gospel in our marriages because we deny ourselves, we take up our crosses, and we follow Jesus in his way of loving our spouses. Submission doesn't mean that you are less equal than your husband. The Bible makes this very clear that all Christians are spiritual equals in every sense. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, if you want to write that down, says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Talking about salvation. Submission has nothing to do with your value or your self-worth. Your value and your self-worth does not come from your husband, but it comes from Christ and him only. But in matters of function, in matters of roles, how marriage works, God has made distinctions. And in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, at the end of each day of creation, God ended each day by saying what? It is good. It is good. The first time he says something isn't good is when he says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone making decisions by himself. Like That would be disastrous. You, you women are like, amen, right? You can talk in church, it's all right. So God created Eve. He gave man a helper. And listen, that word helper is packed full of good stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful word. It's a good word, helper. So the Bible teaches that we are in equal partnership with the wife, and, and the wife is supposed to influence the husband. It's supposed to have a say, and it's supposed to have an impact on the decisions of the household. Husbands and wives are teammates in this partnership. So, so let me flesh this out for you just a little bit because uh, submission can kind of be like a dirty word sometimes. But Robert and I, uh, we are a team. We talk about decisions as, uh, for the family. We pray together about decisions. And if we ever get to a, uh, an impasse, if we ever get to a kind of a stalemate to where we can't make a decision, where we can't agree, we continue to pray on it. And then Robin would follow my lead. Fortunately for us, that's never happened. Our hearts have, have always aligned after prayer and discussion, and sometimes it, it, it's taken a couple days, but, the, but they've always aligned. But this is what I want you to know this morning, that God is for us. He is for your marriage. He wants your marriage to succeed, and when you pray together, submitting yourself to the headship of Jesus and seeking God's direction and the Holy Spirit's lead, hearts will change and line up together most of the time. Most of the time. So what that means, wives, is you're not a doormat to be walked over. Husband, husband's headship is not your trump card. You don't get to lay that down on the table. Like, you don't get to declare victory and just kind of walk away and drop the mic. You know, like, this, this is it. You don't get to walk through the door and be like, okay, woman, this is what we're doing. Let's get to it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's not the way that works. I, I'm not ashamed to tell you this morning that my biggest influencer in my life is my wife. 
Like, I have no problem allowing my wife to influence me because she is smarter than me. And, and I, I, I tell her all the time, I think she knows more about the Bible than me. She would tell you she doesn't. But I think she does. I mean, she is one smart woman. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever been blessed by anything that I've ever said from up here on this stage, I'm going to tell you something, man. She influences every single sermon I preach. Every single week. Every single week she reads, no matter how painful it is, she reads through my sermons. And she influences them because I want a woman's perspective because half my crowd is women, right? And so I want a woman's perspective. Like, what do you think about this? And so she gives me valuable input. Robin is my perfect helper. She's good. Now, wives, let me point you to the best example of submitting, and that is, of course, Jesus. Jesus, out of his great love for you, submitted to the will of the Father. Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself, that he left heaven and took on the form of a man, and he died on the cross. Now, that may seem like some big shoes to fill, but again, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you, to soften your heart towards your husband, to become less of yourself and more like Jesus. Listen, in a perfect world, husbands would furiously love their wives with an immeasurable love, and wives would always respect a husband's position as the leader of the home. But we know we don't live in a perfect world, right? We live in a broken world. We know that we are imperfect sinners. That's why God gave us a helper. And for us men, he gave us two, right? He gave us our wives and the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? That's why the gospel has got to be central. That's why your marriage has got to be rooted in the gospel. Because the gospel tells us, man, that God redeems our marriages. That through Jesus' death on the cross, through his resurrection, that he redeems our marriages. He redeems our relationships. That's good news. It's good news. See, marriage is a great reflector of the gospel. So do we, what do we do when our wives, what do we do when our wives are unlovable or, or don't accept our love when husbands haven't earned the respect and submission of their wives? What do we do? We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. With the Holy Spirit comes power, power to, to become more like Jesus, the power to love even when we feel like we can't, the power to serve when we, when we want to be served. None of us are perfect, but we can pray to make imperfect progress every single day, to be more loving, to be more respectful, to be more like Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and his example here. And God, I just love how he points us to Jesus. God, that's what we need to do. We need to model our marriage after Jesus' sacrificial love. We need to point um, people to Jesus. We need to ground our marriages in the gospel. God, thank you for your great love for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What I want us to do now is we're going to close out with a song. And uh, for First, I just, I just want to give the invitation to anybody who uh, has not experienced salvation. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to uh, his headship, his authority. If you've never accepted what he did on the cross for your sins, then we would love to, to take care of that today. I'd love to talk with you this morning about how to do that. And then, and then secondly, I'm going to ask if Arthur and Charlotte, would you guys come down? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot, so I'm sorry. You guys would come down. And I'm going to ask, if, if you're here today, and, and listen, don't, don't be ashamed 
Okay, because listen, every marriage at some point in time has struggles. Alright, so just because you come down here and ask for prayer, don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel like, man, people are going to think my marriage is a, 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 a wreck. Remember, the gospel frees us up to be able to admit our, uh, our failures, to be able to admit our shortcomings. And so I'm going to ask you guys to come down here, and if you would like prayer for your marriage, even if your marriage is the best marriage in the world, even if it's strong as can be, right? Just If you want to come down and have prayer, that's great, man. We would love for you to do that. They're going to be over here. I'm going to ask you guys to come down here front, actually, and, uh, and do that. So I'm here. If you need salvation, man, if you need to, to know about salvation and what Jesus has done for you, I'm here. If you want prayer for your marriage, come on up here and Arthur and Charlotte will pray for you, okay? All right. Even if you're not married this morning, even, even if you're single, you're, you need prayer, man, they'll pray for you, okay? You guys good? All right.